I tell you what, folks, if that didn't bless your heart, your blessers broke. I just got to tell you. It's good to be here this morning. I want to bring you greetings today from First Baptist Church in Marion, Arkansas. Uh, they're together right now, and about this time, my student minister, Chris Arnold, is standing up to preach, and they were going to pause and pray for us and the, the, the revival week that we have together. Uh, they wanted me to make sure that I came and told you thank you for sending your mission team to Marion, Arkansas this year. Uh, you did a wonderful job. Every year since 2004, we've hosted on average eight mission teams a year in our facility, including World Changers for four years running and uh, seen God do lots of wonderful things. And I want you to know we have never had a better mission team in our facility in all these years than what we had in First Baptist Church of Pelham. And I can tell you that with all sincerity. God did a great work between the block parties and backyard Bible clubs and the mission projects. It was a great work. A number of people gave their life to Jesus. Our, one of our mission churches has already baptized a couple of the folks that were saved that week. We're already seeing great follow-up happening with other families. And that work is continuing even today. And so we praise the Lord for that work. Thank you for coming to Marion, Arkansas and doing the work there in the Mississippi Delta where the work of God is moving and great things are happening and you are welcome to come back anytime to Marion, Arkansas. And we are so thankful for you. It's great to be here with my good friend, Dr. Mike Shaw and his wife, Mary. They've literally known me my whole life, which tells you how old he is. Um, and... Uh, it's been a wonderful, wonderful experience. Dr. Shaw has been a mentor of mine throughout my life and my ministry, a constant encouragement. He called me several months ago and he said, now, now Clay, listen, we're going to have revival in, in, at, at Pelham in August and, and I, want, I want the best preacher that I can get out of the Southern Baptist Convention to come. I need somebody that really knows how to preach. I mean somebody that can deliver the Word of God with power. I mean I need somebody who can really shell the corn and put it down where the cows can get it. You know what I'm talking about? I need a dynamic, on fire, exciting preacher, the best in our convention, and not one of those people's available. Would you come and do it? And so I'm glad to be here this morning. I really am. I want you to take your Bible this morning and look with me in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to begin reading in just a little while in verse 13. <clears throat> this morning, I want you to know that if we're going to have revival, real revival, not the kind where you have a bunch of meetings, but the kind of revival where the Holy Spirit of God falls in a place and people's lives are forever impacted and changed, if we're going to have that kind of revival, then the truth is we've got to get real. We've got to decide who and what we really are. Because we've got a church filled with people who aren't real. They know what to say. They know how to say it. They know how to dress. They, they know all the religious activities that they need to do. But the truth is they're not real. The power and the Spirit of God is not at work in their life or through their life. And when the power of God is not at work in our lives and through our lives, it's not at work in our church and through our church because we are the church. So we need to get real. 
When it comes to Jesus this morning, let me ask you a question. When it comes to Jesus, are you a follower of Jesus? Or are you just a fan of Jesus? Which one is it? A follower or a fan? The question is important because what I'm doing is this. I'm not asking you, do you go to church? I'm not asking you, are you in a Sunday school class? Do you sing in the choir? Do you hold a position in the church? I'm not asking you if you give money or if you tithe. I'm not asking you if your iPhone plays a worship song when the pastor calls you. I'm not asking you if you've got a Jesus fish on your minivan. I'm not asking you, do you listen to WDJC radio? I'm not asking you, do you know a bunch of spiritual words like sanctification and Trinity and the Shekinah glory of God? I'm not asking you those things because there's a lot of people in this room this morning who believe that they are followers of Jesus based on one or a multiple of those kinds of things. And they're not. We all know about being a fan, don't we? Everybody in this room is a fan of something. I mean, you're a fan of something or someone. I mean, you're a fan of a, of a patriot. You're a fan of a bulldog. You're, you're the fan of, of a tiger. You're the fan of an elephant. You're the fan of a volunteer. You're the fan of a red sock, a white sock, or no sock. You're a fan of something. Everybody's a fan. You know what a fan is, don't you? A fan is defined like this. A fan is an enthusiastic devotee or admirer. Another synonym for the word fan is the word supporter or enthusiast or booster. And the truth is, when it comes to Jesus Christ, a lot of people in this room this morning are nothing more than Jesus fans. They're boosters of Jesus. Yay, Jesus. Go, Jesus. They're all about Jesus as long as everything's going good in their, their life. I mean, we come into this stadium we call the sanctuary and we're led by our cheerleaders, the praise team and the choir. And we get all excited about who Jesus is. But the truth is, we know all about Jesus. We just don't know Jesus. So are you a fan or are you a follower? We've got to get real this morning. You realize that this morning God is ready for you once and for all to answer that question for your life before it's too late. God has so much for you, so much for your life to experience and enjoy, but you miss out on it because you choose to live the life of a fan rather than the life of a follower. We, we live this watered down, weak, deluded form of Christianity. We're missing the abundant life that Jesus has to offer us. And if you don't believe me, just look at Matthew chapter 7 this morning. Here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes it very clear that there's a very clear distinction between fans and followers. And he only desires followers, not fans. Look with me beginning in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is speaking and he says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life and few find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? 
In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you'll recognize them by their fruit. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers, you evildoers. Jesus helps us see this morning that we're all going to stand before God. Everybody in this room, every person that you know, every person that's ever been born or ever will be born, we're all going to stand before God. And on that day, there's going to be a lot of people who stand before the Lord who think everything in their life is fine. If you were to ask them, are you a follower of Jesus? They would argue with you and say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. And they would begin to tell you all the things they do for Jesus. They're going to be exposed as being nothing more than false fans, not followers of Jesus. Jesus talks about there being two roads that you can travel, a broad road or a wide road that leads to destruction or a narrow road that leads to life and to heaven. It is shocking to read the words of Jesus to me to discover that the majority of people that live in our community, the majority of people that live in our neighborhoods, the majority of the people that live in our, that go to our schools, that work on our job, the majority of people are on a wide, broad road headed to destruction this morning. If that's true, then maybe what we ought to do this morning is we ought to pull over on the side of the road and get real and determine once and for all, am I a fan or am I a follower of Jesus? It's entirely possible this morning that you're sitting in the sanctuary of the First Baptist Church of Pelham, a member of this church, and you believe with all your heart that you're on the right road, the narrow road, but in reality, you're on the wrong road. Jesus shows us how many people are living their lives set on cruise control with the radio blaring, enjoying life, going down the wrong road. Look again at what he said in verse 21, 22, and 23. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name did we not drive out demons? And did we not do many miracles? And I will announce to them, away from me, depart from me. I don't even know you. I don't even know you. Look at what he said right there. Jesus said, many will say to me on that day, 
He didn't say there was going to be a handful. He didn't say there was going to be a few. Jesus said there's going to be many people, that there's going to be a lot of people who are going to assume that they're on the right road. A lot of people are going to assume that they're a follower of Jesus when in reality they're going to be exposed as being nothing more than a fan. They're going to miss heaven completely. So this morning Jesus makes a very clear distinction between being a fan of Jesus and a follower of Jesus. Let me show you the difference between the two. First of all, Jesus says that a fan's life is revealed to be wasted. A fan's life is revealed to be wasted. Jesus said in verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone will enter the kingdom of heaven. Their life will be lived and wasted. Jesus teaches us there are three things about fans, not followers, but fans that we can see who've wasted their life in meaningless pursuits. He says, first of all, you will notice this about a fan. Their words do not equate to work. Their words do not equate with their work. Jesus said, not everyone who says, but only he who does. Did you see that? Don't miss that <clears throat> because right there it is very clear that Jesus is making a distinction between fans and followers by contrasting and comparing the word says on the one hand and the word does on the other hand. When it comes to a fan of Jesus, what they say does not match what they do. And the things that they do does not match the things that they say. Now we live in a society today that illustrates this very, very easily. We live in a society that has absolutely no problem separating the things that we say we believe and how we actually live in real life and in real practice. Lots of examples. One of those examples that I could give you is politics. Politics. We have a lot of people who say they believe in moral biblical principles, but then they go right out and they vote for candidates of both parties who have no moral biblical principles. Let me give you an even closer example to our lives, our families. There are people who will say, I love my family. I love my family. And they'll say it over and over again, how much they love their family. But the truth is, more often than not, they're much more involved with their hobbies and their favorite television programs and their work and making money and doing what they want to do and living their own lives. They're much more involved in those things than they are in their life and their family. We have convinced ourselves that our beliefs ought not have any real impact on how we live our lives or the things that we do. And Jesus is saying that a fan will say, Lord, Lord, but the truth is they don't live like I'm Lord. So let's make it very practical this morning. If you're in this room this morning and you say, well, I'm a follower of Jesus. 
that when's the last time you've told someone about Jesus? What's their name? Tell me about them. When's the last time you led somebody to faith in Jesus? If you're a follower of Jesus, open up your checkbook and show me how you've been spending your money. Show me where you've written God his tithe and offering right out of the top, right off the first fruits of it. Talk to me about the ministry that you're involved in on an ongoing basis. Tell me about how it is that, that, that you've been missing on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights when the rest of the church is gathered together to worship God, but you're not here. You say you're a follower of Jesus, right? Well, talk to me about the, the mission project that, that you're involved in or that you and your Sunday school class are involved in. Tell me how you're living for the Lord on your job or in your school. Tell me how you're handling the gossip of their, your friend that they continue to share all the time. What are you saying and doing when those folks up at the church don't follow your personal preference as to how everything ought to go? How do you act and react? You are a follower of Jesus, right? You know the way James puts it? James says this in James 2, 14 through 16. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? There's a big difference between a fan and a follower. When it comes to a fan of Jesus, their words do not equate to their work. But not only that, their feelings do not equate with faith. Their feelings don't equate with faith. I believe what Jesus is showing us here in Matthew 7 is that fans often confuse their personal feelings for faith. What we know to be true is that your feelings are not faith at all if they're not expressed in the right way. Now let me show you what I mean. <clears throat> Oftentimes, we'll come to church and we'll hear a great sermon. We'll listen to a great Christian song on the radio. We'll watch a Christian movie. We'll attend a revival. We'll go to some kind of Bible conference and our emotions will get all stirred up and we can feel deep in our heart that God is speaking to us and it's welling up inciting us and we, we are being prompted to do something, to make a decision, to make a change, to make a commitment of some kind and we can feel God working in our lives and con convicting our souls. And if we don't act on those feelings, it's not faith. It's just emotion. It's just feelings. Faith is an obedient action based on complete trust in God. Faith is much more than an emotional feeling. And the tendency of a fan of Jesus is to define themselves based solely on how they feel about Jesus today. James says in James 2.17, faith by itself, not accompanied by action, is dead. Fans of Jesus are often filled with feelings and emotion about spiritual things all the time. They just don't act on them. More often than not, they ignore their feelings. It comes to the invitation time. They feel God prompting their heart to do something, to come and pray, to come and be saved come and make a commitment of some kind, to come and commit themselves to something, they just shake the feeling off. They walk out of here, disobedient to God. But they'll tell you, 
I exercised faith. No, you didn't. You just had feelings. Because when you're a fan, your words don't equate with your work. And your feelings don't equate with your faith. There's a third thing. Your deeds don't equate with your destination. Now, while some fans of Jesus are filled with nothing but words that are nothing more than meaningless and empty, there are other fans of Jesus. What they do is they go to the absolute opposite extreme. And this is where most Baptist church members are. All they're called up with are actions and deeds. The Bible calls it works. To describe this, Jesus used this example in verse 22. Look at, these, look at these Jesus fans. Jesus said, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform and do many miracles in your name? You see, these folks defended themselves before Jesus. When Jesus says, you say to me, Lord, Lord, but I don't know who you are. They said, of course you do, Lord. You remember all the things we've done for you. We've driven out demons and we've, we, we, we've prophesied and we've done all these miracles. And Jesus, we did it in your name. You know us. We've done all these great things for you. These people didn't put their faith in Jesus to go to heaven they put their faith in their deeds, their good works. And they thought that all of that stuff would just pile up and add up enough that, that the Lord would look at them and say, wow, you're really something special. I'm going to make an exception for you. You come on into heaven. It doesn't work that way. There's only one way to heaven, and it's Jesus Christ alone. Jesus shows us a real test here whether or not you're really a fan of Jesus or a follower of Jesus. Here it is. Here's the test. Think about this. When I ask you at the beginning of this sermon, are you really a follower of Jesus? If you immediately began to think about all the things you do in church. When I said, are you a follower of Jesus? And you began to think, well, of course, I sing in the choir and I teach a Sunday school class, and I go to Sunday school, and I come back on Sunday nights, and I work with the kids, and I work with the students, and you begin to list in your mind all the things that you do. And that's what you decided made you a follower of Jesus. And dear friend, I hate to tell you, you're not a follower. You're a fan. Jesus doesn't want any more fans. Jesus wants followers. I mean, look at the people in verse 22. Look at that resume. We prophesied in your name. We drive out demons in your name. We perform many miracles in your name. I don't know about you. I don't compare to that. I've not driven out any demons recently. Any of you? Any of you been in the business of performing miracles recently? Probably not. My resume and your resume don't even add up to these folks. And Jesus looked at them and said of them with that beautiful resume of good deeds, I don't even know who you are. What's he going to say to us this morning? What is he saying to you this morning? You see, a fan's life is revealed 
It's being wasted. One, one final quick thing. What about a follower? If a fan's life is revealed as being wasted, that a follower's life is revealed as being welcome. Welcome. Being a follower of Jesus, listen to me now. Being a follower of Jesus is not about what you say or the words that you use. It's not about the feelings you have toward Jesus, the church, or spiritual things. It's not about all the good deeds that you have done. These things do not make you a follower of Jesus. So what is it? Well, it's defined in verse 23. Jesus said, and I will announce to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. The difference between being a fan of Jesus and a follower of Jesus comes down to those, those words of Jesus. Jesus says it's not about your words or your deeds or your feelings. It all comes down not to religion, but to a relationship. The difference between being a fan of Jesus and a follower of Jesus all comes down to this. Does Jesus know you? And do you know him? Listen to me. What you say the things you do and how you feel does not define your relationship with Jesus. On the contrary, your relationship with Jesus ought to define what you say, the things you do, and how you feel. Jesus identifies true followers based on a relationship. More than he wants your acts of good deeds, more than he wants your adherence to religion, more than he wants your observance of rules and rituals, more than he wants your words of affections, the Lord simply this morning wants to know you. He wants you to know him. This morning we're traveling down one of those two roads. Maybe at the beginning of revival we need to pull to the side of the road this morning and we need to truly ask ourselves, does Jesus really know me? And we need to be serious about it. And we need to be thorough. And we need to be honest. You cannot get that question wrong. There is a day coming where every one of us will stand before the Lord. And there are people in the sound of my voice this morning in this church and you've think you've said the right things and you've done the right things and you've had the right feelings and you think it's fine and you're going to stand before the Lord and he's going to say away from me, I don't even know you. Because you don't know Jesus. You know about Jesus. You don't have a relationship with him. I'm not trying to make you paranoid this morning, but I do want you to be warned I believe the Bible teaches clearly that by grace are we saved through faith and it's in no way by our works. It's in Jesus Christ alone. Jesus who said, I am the way, truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I believe firmly the truth of God's word that once we give our lives to Jesus by grace, 
through faith that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I believe that with all of my heart, but I also genuinely believe this morning that the Bible teaches us that there are those who think they're saved because of all these other things, but they're not saved. They're on their way to hell. They're on the broad road, not the narrow road. And they're going to find out one day it's all been a lie to them because their lives has been false. They didn't know Jesus. So decide today where you are. Are you a fan or a follower? The book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. The Lord is speaking to church folks in Laodicea. Listen to what he says. I know your deeds, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. Because you're lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Jesus doesn't teach Christianity in moderation or small amounts. The issue of being a fan or a follower of Jesus is clear cut this morning. It's black or white. There's no gray area. There's no walking the fence. You're either in or you're out. Which is it? If you're in, then be in with all your heart. If you're out, get in while there's still time. It's simple. Quit making it hard. It's not hard. In or out. Five years ago, I was preaching, third Sunday of August. First Baptist Church of Marion preached on the realities of hell. Not sure why I preached on the realities of hell that day, probably because it was 105 degrees in Marion, Arkansas. I don't know. I preached on the realities of hell. I'll never forget what happened. The invitation was given. And as soon as we began to sing the very, I mean, just as the music started, before we even probably even sang the first word, there's a beautiful 18-year-old little blonde-headed girl sitting right there on the second pew on the front. And she walked out of the aisle. She walked right down to where I am, 18 years old. And she said, I've been in church my whole life. I've been to every vacation Bible school, every youth camp, every revival, every gospel concert and gospel singing. I filled out the card. I've been baptized. I've had years where I never missed Sunday school and had perfect attendance. I've done everything right and everything that was expected of me for all these years. And that beautiful 18-year-old girl looked at me and said, but Daddy, I don't know Jesus. I'm the pastor's daughter and all that's been expected of me. And if I die, I'm going to hell. I want to know Jesus. I prayed with my daughter that morning, five years ago. She asked Jesus into her life to be her Lord and Savior. And I know this morning in this room, there's a lot of folks, teenagers, adults, who know all about Jesus. I mean, you've done it all. You got the Bible. 
You, you know the words to say. You know how to act. And you put on this show every week for everybody. And you've probably even convinced yourself right now that you've checked off the list. I, I filled out a card. I was baptized. I've done this and I've done that. The problem is there's never been a time in your life when you truly trusted Jesus Christ to be your Savior and your Lord. You've never done that. Today, you have that opportunity. You may be in the room today and you say, look, I'm 99% sure. Folks, that's not good enough. I wouldn't base the eternity of my life, the future of my family, on 1%. If you're not 100% sure, that's not good enough. You've got to be 100% sure. You ought to walk out of here today knowing I'm a follower of Jesus. Why? Not because of the things you've said or done or how you feel, but because you've trusted him to forgive your sin and be the Lord of your life. In just a minute, we're going to have an invitation. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to stand, and we're going to sing. The altar is going to be open for that's normal, your normal time of prayer for people to come, and I'm going to invite you to come to the altar and pray. But I know that there are people here to receive you this morning that you can pray and receive Jesus for the very first time. And there's a lot of you who need to do that. you just got to be honest. Revival will not come until we're honest and get real before the Lord. It's got to start now. Maybe you need to come and join this church, move your membership to this great church and serve God here. You ought to, this ought to be the very place you ought to be. I can assure you that if I lived anywhere near here, this is the church I'd want to be a member of, right here. A church that loves and cares for people, genuinely. And they'll love and care for you. You come and join them. Maybe you've got an issue on your heart today you want somebody to pray with you about. There'll be somebody here to pray with you. Maybe you just need to come to this altar and pray for somebody specifically that you've invited to revival or somebody that's struggling that you know you need to get them here this week. Whatever it is, listen this morning. We're not going to have revival sitting in a pew. We're going to have revival when God's people come to the Lord and get real. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity right now to get real before you. In the quietness of this moment, God, I pray that you would just speak openly and unashamedly to our hearts. Father, when we feel your call and your conviction, we wouldn't hesitate, Father. But by faith, we would take one step to you. If we take that first step, Lord, out of that pew, out of that seat, Lord, every step will be easier. Father, you'll carry us if need be down to this altar, down to someone to talk to. Lord, I know this morning in this congregation, there are people who need to give their life to you and be saved. Lord, there's no doubt about it. Today is the day for that. They know it. I know it. And more importantly, God, you know it. Pray for people that need to join this church. Move the membership here. There's not, Lord, they need to stop dating this church. They need to make a commitment to it. Speak to us now, Father. Help us, Lord, to come to you. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand this morning, we're going to sing. The altar is open for you to come. We're going to sing, I Surrender All. This morning, my prayer is that right now, without, without even any hesitation, you'll come. Right now. No hesitation. You'll come. Right now. 
as we sing, you come.